0: Coming up, I'm going to tell you the number one killer of all of our creativity, and then some interesting data. Gen Z and boomers finally have something in common about work, but what is it, and is it good? We'll break it down. Let's go. Helping you break through what's holding you back so that you're winning at work and in life. All right, so let's talk about creativity. Now, let's just set the context. Everybody listening to me, everybody watching me is creative. Some of you are going, Ken, I I live in spreadsheets. I am a number cruncher. I'm a doer task. You're creative. Everybody's creative. Everybody. All right? So let's just get that over with. You came into this world hardwired with imagination. You're creative. All right? So, what is this killer of creativity? Because we've got to identify it and now take it head on. And this may challenge some of you in ways you've not been challenged before. But I, I would ask that you allow me to provoke your thought for a few minutes. This blocker of creativity sneaks up on us. This blocker of creativity is popular this blocker of creativity is recommended by wise people or supposed wise people. What is it? It's conformity. Conformity is the number one killer of creativity. And you've got to be able to see it in order to root it out. If you're unaware of it in your everyday activity, you have no idea why you may be being held back. It's conformity. So let's go back to our childhood, if we could, for just a moment. Because this gets taught to us very early on. Conformity is thrust upon us at our most innocent and imaginative season of our life. When we're young, child, imagination exploding. It's paint-by-numbers. Or the coloring book. I always love this paint-by-numbers Example, because the coloring book addresses conformity, but just barely the coloring book gives you conformity in that it has a picture that's drawn out and it is encouraged that you stay between the lines, at least parents and teachers stay between the lines, color between the lines. And you know, what's funny. They don't do that for kindergartners and toddlers because you remember picking your kids up from uh, maybe a church Sunday school or a church summer camp program or uh, just when you're preschool or in those early days of kindergarten. And you you know the parents that are always like they show up <laughs> and in and, and the picture, maybe it's a picture of a dog and it just looks like this, right? It just looks like this. We all know what this is like. And the kid's just like, oh, look, he colored the dog. And the kid just took the crayon and was like, you know, that that's that's normal. And as a parent, you're kind of like, oh, oh, that's our kid's picture. That's great. I wonder if he was angry when he did that. Right? And so this is when this sets in. Why? Because the picture is uniform and thus. Our brains as adults are thinking conforming, uniformity, conformity. They're all working together. And so we're going, oh, wow, Junior needs to learn how to color between the lines. So we're going to work on that. But does he? Where does this lead? So that's your traditional coloring book. Paint by Numbers is really, really the clearest example of teaching conformity at early age. Because with Paint by Numbers, I still have the drawing. Let's say we'll stay with the dog. Okay, Uh, but what I don't have is the freedom to color whatever color I want because the paint by numbers tells me, well, you need to do blue for number two, green for number three, and so on and so on and so on. So they've given us a picture, but now they've taken all the creativity away because they've said you need to paint this part of the picture with the number on it this color. And now we have conformity. This is best illustrated with this great Calvin and Hobbes cartoon. We're going to put this on the screen, and I'm going to read it to those of you who can't see it. Uh, It's got little Calvin, the little boy, looking at his his buddy, the tiger, Hobbes. He says, look, Hobbes, I got a paint-by-numbers kit. It's really fun. Well, the tiger, Hobbes, looks at Calvin and says, but you're not painting in the lines and you're not using the colors that correspond to the numbers. Way to go, Mr. Responsibility, our friend the tiger. So Calvin, the next frame, looks down at his art and he looks back at Hobbs and says, if I did that, I'd get the picture they show on the box. And then Hobbs, the tiger, says, ah, and that's the brilliance of that cartoon. Calvin didn't want to paint by numbers. He just wanted to paint. Hobbes says, wait a second, you're not doing it the way they told you to do it. And Calvin looks back and goes, yeah, you're right. But why would I want to paint something that's already on the box? Someone else did that. Brilliant. So in life let's let's pull out of this for a moment and let's let's talk about real world in education in finance in work those three areas dominate our lives we're told to conform we're told to conform got to have a resume got to put all this stuff on your resume you got to have a degree Got to get this on your SAT or ACT. Got to do this. Got to do this. Got to do this. Why? It's paint by numbers. That's what we deem is successful and worthy. Now, this works for people who really naturally do okay inside the lines, who really appreciate the paint by numbers. Tell me what to do, when to do, how to do it. A lot of people like that. A lot of people Whether they like it or not, thrive within it, they can adapt. But there are a lot of kids who become adults that were like me. Whether you have a learning challenge or full-blown disability that make you different and you can't do the one-size-fits-all, you get marginalized. So how do we make sure that in every area of our life we're doing what we believe is right, what we want to do? Very simple. Get out a blank sheet of paper, and this is a metaphor. I want you to picture your life in every area, relationally, professionally, physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, whatever. And just go, what's the life that I want? Where am I now? Where do I want to be? In any of those areas. And get out a blank piece of paper. And it, it's metaphorical, but you could actually do it and go, write it out. This is who I want to be. Why I want to be this. This is what I want to do. Why I want to do it. That's true creativity. Is charting or drawing or painting from a blank canvas, the life that you desire. After all, that's true art is my interpretation on something else. I could certainly be inspired by something else, but what I do is my life, my version, and it's quite frankly what the world needs for me because I am created uniquely to fill a unique role in this world. I mean, somebody needs me to show up and be me, and I'm going to do it, and you need to as well. Helping you get unstuck from whatever is keeping you stuck. It's usually fear and doubt. More on that in a second. But hey, first, uh, we are growing, and I'm grateful for that. For those of you that are watching on YouTube, uh, listen, the way you can help us continue to grow is if you're participating and watching this stuff, give us a like. Uh, that's the way the world works. It's, a, it's an algorithm. I don't do it to be famous or cool. Look at me. I got no chance anyway. So you, you know I'm the real deal. Uh, But I'd love for you to like our clips and it helps us grow because I'm here for one reason. I want people to be able to get clear on who they are and what they want to do and I want them to be confident to do it. That's it. And that's why I'm here because the world needs your contribution. So if you're listening uh, via your favorite podcast app, give us a follow. That is the same algorithm that works for us and we would appreciate it. Speaking of My mission being about helping people getting clear on who they are and what they want to do and then having the confidence to step out and do that. Um, If you are stuck, you're just not, something's got you stuck. And by the way, it does not have to be just professionally stuck. You're stuck. You got some fear about something in the future. You got some doubt about something. Fear is I am worried about something bad happening. Doubt is I'm just not believing that something good that I want to happen will happen. Um, you just need to be encouraged. I seem to be in a room where, where I could feel like I'm not the only one that's trying to make a difference in my life and the lives of others, and I'm kind of on this slog, and I just need some encouragement. I think our event breakthrough is for you, maybe for your friends and family. We have three dates coming to you. Chicago, Illinois, May 16th, Atlanta, Georgia, May 18th, Dallas, Texas, May 23rd. I'm going to be speaking on how to always have the confidence that you need when you need it most. It's a, it's a formula, and you can use it in any area of your life where you need to break through to get through something to get over a hump. And then I'm going to be taking questions live from the crowd, intimate settings, and we're just going to get, do a good old-fashioned Q&A, and, and there's great power when we're all in the room together. So that's the event. It's called Breakthrough, KenColeman.com slash events, KenColeman.com slash events to get all the details. Chicago, May 16th, Atlanta, May 18th, Dallas, Texas, May 23rd. All right. Well, Gen Z and millennials, while very different generations, while having their very unique demographic uh, nuances, uh, they are aligned on how they view work in this particular way. And this is discouraging, but not surprising. From 2019 to 2022, according to my friends at Gallup, the share of people under 35 who reported being engaged with their jobs dropped from 37 to 33%, the lowest level since 2011. At the same time, the percentage of people who reported being actively engaged rose to, excuse me, actively disengaged is all negative. Actively disengaged rose from 17% from 12%. So, disengagement is increasing, engagement is dropping. It's all heading towards the same direction. And this is bad for companies, which means it's going to be bad for the economy, which means it's going to be bad for you. In other words, how many of you remember being in school where one problem student or person on the team Got everybody else in trouble. Now I played sports growing up, and I I, I came from, uh, I came from uh, an old school group of coaches, and uh, Bob Bob's in the control room today. Bob, I know you and I both played sports growing up. We come from an old school era, and and I was in an era that when if one guy on the team was slacking on the running, we all had to run more. I'm busting my butt, Bob. I want to get done. I want to run and puke. Thank you very much. And there's my buddy over there who's not giving his all. And the coach goes, if everybody's not giving it their all, everybody's running more. You know what I'm talking about? We we experienced that. You know Th- Those are the good old days where like you develop grit because they forced it on you. You know what I'm talking about? Now, back in that day, if you threw up running, you kept running. You were running through your vomit. That's what it was like, all right? I'm grossing some of you out. But that's good old-fashioned grit, Alex. I know you don't like the image, but that's what it was. You were expected, Bob, if you were going to chuck it, you chucked it while you were running. So you had an option. Chuck on the guy to my left or chuck on the guy to my right or I just chuck going forward and run into it, and that's what you did. So, how in the world did I get on that? Sometimes even I don't know how I get on these rabbit trails. Right? But the point I was making, oh, I know how I got there. It's that when you have millennials and Gen Zers increasingly disengaged at work, they're dragging everybody down just like the teammate did. The teammate wasn't giving their all, so everybody got punished. If, if you got a teammate who's out of shape and can't defend in crunch time – The team loses because he didn't suck it up. That's why the coach did that, by the way. So I want to make sure you understand this. Don't hear this data and go, well, you know, it is what it is, Ken. No, it isn't. This is going to affect all of us. Gallup estimates that it cost the global economy $7.8 trillion every year in lost productivity. Excuse me, this last year in lost productivity. And then you got a lot of young workers who are stepping away because they're looking for fulfillment. They're not disengaged because they're lazy and shiftless. See, that's what you got to be careful of. So, when I put data out like this, if you're not careful, guys like in my generation be like, "Ah, yeah, I'm lazy, snowflake millennials. That's a generalization. And quite frankly, it's wrong. Here's what's going on what's causing the disengagement? Here we go. They don't feel cared about. They don't have someone who's encouraging their development. They don't feel like they have opportunities to learn and grow. They don't have a best friend at work. And they don't believe that their opinions count. Now, you just roll through that list, and that is not limited to millennials and Gen Zers. But now, you try to picture showing up every day in this environment. Let me say it again. And if you have to, close your eyes. Yeah, don't feel cared for. No one's encouraged me to get better. No opportunities to learn anything different, do anything with it. I don't have a really good friend at work, and and I just don't think my opinion matters. Come on, it's an invitation to leave, and that's what they're doing. So, leaders have to understand this, but you have to understand this about you as well. If you're not in a leadership position, you've got to understand. Wait a second. How engaged am I? Where am I at on these? I mean, this is really a good checklist. And this is from the data, by the way. Are you in an office environment where you feel like the company leaders care about you as a person? Now, it doesn't have to be, you know, best friends, you know? You know, it's not that. It just needs to be that they're aware of who you are and what's going on that they care about you when you've had a rough day, they've stepped up for you. You know when you're cared for? Do you have opportunities to learn and then do something with that knowledge? So what are the what are some of the factors that have contributed to this? Well, first let's we have to always start with leadership. You you look at those factors that I just listed out. It is the leader's responsibility to make people feel cared for. It is the leader's responsibility to challenge and push people to learn, grow, and be able to do something with it. It is the leader's responsibility to create an environment where coworkers like each other. It is the leader's responsibility to make sure that everybody's heard. So it starts with leaders. Now let's look at what workers are doing and why they're doing it. A big part of this was the mass shift to work from home. It's shifting back now. The other thing is, is, all of the digital tools like Slack, and text, and everything else, in Zoom, we've taken away the personal connection. And part of the reason you're not engaged is because you're not acting like a human. question time I want you to answer this as you're listening or watching to me wherever you are I want you to truly give this just just a 10 second thought and I want you to just verbalize it in your head or out loud or write it down here's the question what is the biggest question that people wrestle with What's the biggest question in our lives as we are uh, growing up, uh, maybe in our middle age? What's the question? What do you? And I want you to say it your way, okay? Because there's no. By the way, there's no right or wrong answer. I'm going to give you what I think the answer is, and I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to give it to you the way that I think we ask it, at its core. But I want you to think that. What's what is the haunting question? Some of you are thinking, "Am I loved?" That's up there. Okay? Uh, Some of you are asking, or some of you said it's, do I matter? That's up there. Some of you said, why am I here? Why am I here? Like Not where you stand, but why am I here? Like, what's this whole human life? global, we got planets, I'm on this planet, there's a bunch of them out there, where do I fit in this gigantic universe? I think that's closer. The way I would word it is what am I supposed to do in my life? I I I, I think it's uh, the biggest question and I'll tell you why, it is the question that doesn't have to be taught. Am I loved? Do I matter? Those don't have to be taught. And neither does the question what, what, what am I doing in my life? Why am I here? What should I do in my life? Nobody has to teach you that. So, where does it come from? So, however it's worded, wherever you answer, what's more important is what is at the source of that question? And here it is. I believe that we are different from the rest of the living world. You got animals, and you got humans, and now we have robots. And there's some pretty awesome animals. Pretty smart, pretty fierce. And there's some pretty crazy robots that are building, and this AI stuff is mind-blowing. But you know what those two creatures don't have that humans have? A soul, a spirit. And uh, I make no bones. I'm not going to go off into this. And you can disagree with me all you want to because it's it's, uh, a major point, but rather minor in this discussion. And that is this. I believe that we have a creator and that we were created to be creative, to contribute. And the data bears it out. People that are unhappy not doing something they enjoy at work live on average 10 years less than people who are happy and creating and doing something, contributing something that they go, okay, I I got some meaning out of this and some happiness. Go look at the data on retirees who go from working and engaging and doing something to just sedentary and stopping their whole body collapses why do i bring this up if you agree with me despite the source that what is difference between what is different between us and robots and animals is that we have a soul and a spirit that longs to experience love and experience challenge and experience achievement if you believe that then you then have to say Huh. That's why we ask the question, "What am I supposed to do?" We long to make our mark. I've, I was telling Alex this at a meeting recently that I think if you just break it down to the simplest, everybody kind of wants to make their mark. I want people. I want to know that I made a difference. That I that I loved well. That other people loved me. That I did a few things where people went, "Ah, boy, way to go, kitty boy! You did something good today." See, we all want to experience that. I want to be loved, but I also want somebody to go. Good. You did a good job there. That's pretty good. And, and so that's what drives the question. Now, the problem is, is that we have made advances in technology that are mind-blowing. I think of the car. I think of a plane, which led to spaceships and fighter jets. And I think of computers and now AI. It's mind-blowing. We teach math. We teach science. We teach English. But you know what we don't do? Institutionally and and as a society, there is not a construct, even in all of the education we have in this country and around the world, you know what we don't teach? How to learn about you. We don't teach kids how to learn about themselves. We put them in the school system And from the minute their little five-year-old brains get in there, all they're trying to do is hide eating the crayons. And you're trying to teach them how to get uniform and conform and answer questions the rest of their life. And we unwittingly beat the curiosity out of them. Let me put it to you this way. Watch this two-minute drill. Here's what's happening in our world. A kid is born, they're naturally imaginative, and the minute they begin to talk, they ask questions. They ask hundreds of questions a day. They drive you poor parents nuts. Why? Are they trying to be obnoxious? No, they're trying to get to the bottom of everything. They're learning everything. Everything's like this. Everything's new. They're wondering. I wonder why this works. And not only are they wondering, they are experiencing wonder. Wow! Remember the first time you do that stupid finger trick and show a kid, look, I pulled my finger off? Or you steal their nose. The kid's like this. They're not idiots. They're creatures of wonder. Now watch. Stay with you. It's going to go fast. They get into the school system. They get turned into answer givers, test takers. By the time they reach the eighth grade, the average American student is only asking two to three questions a day. By the time they reach the ninth grade, all the cultural pressure, principal, guidance counselor, coaches, teachers, parents, siblings, hey, you got to get good grades. You got to get a good GPA. You got to study hard. Take that pre SAT or pre ACT so that you have a good GPA and a good standardized test score so that colleges will accept you. So now my acceptance, the most important thing in my life, everybody's telling me I got to do this well, and I'm going to get accepted based on how many answers I get right. So we beat the curiosity out of them. In other words, they go from wondering to wandering through an assembly line system. they got to pick a school. they got to pick a major and find a job all before their brains are fully developed. 23, I think it is for women. 25, 26 for men, let's be honest. I don't think my brain's ever going to finish developing. It's underdeveloped. That's for all you women out there to say, Amen. Why do I run you through that? That is the process of life. It's a superhighway, and we are taking our kids, and we're taking them from wandering to wandering, and they end up calling my show in their mid-30s and 40s going, I don't know what I want to do with my life or I'm not happy. So it's time to stop. That's the problem with the system. It is outdated. It was created to literally build workers who are happy going into a factory and doing the same job all over the place. Tell me my command, yes sir, yes ma'am, what do I need to know, what do I need to do, give me a report card, and that's why we have the way, the way we work, that's why it was created. So parents, you're sitting there going, Ken, I believe this, you're right, what do I do? I've created a curriculum for your child to go through it, you can go with it at home. It is from our Ramsey Ed team, it's Foundations in Career Discovery, it comes with a student assessment that will allow your student to take an assessment and for the first time in their life may be able to clarify with you what they're talented at, what really lights their heart up, and then what motivates them. And those three pieces come together for a purpose statement and a path forward. Get it right now at RamseySolutions.com, the foundations and career discovery parents help your kids discover their future. Thanks for listening to The Ken Coleman Show. For more, you can find the show on demand wherever you listen to podcasts and watch the show on YouTube. You can also find Ken across all social media by following at Ken Coleman.